We're in this series on the book of James and the wisdom that uh, we get from the book of James. And uh, our takeaway for this week is this. It's not about what you do. It's about what God is doing in you. It's not about what you do. It's about what God is doing in you. Yeah, and that's really important for us to hear that at the front end of the message because, James, it's a very practical book. It's one of the things that a lot of people love about the letter that James wrote. It's, it's very practical, filled with lots of great implications for life, but it's also a faith-filled book as well. And the challenge is, is that when we look at those things that we're to do, uh, sometimes there, we can easily believe that those things we do will help us to earn God's love or to, uh, uh, to, um, uh, to, to be right and righteous before God. Also, if we don't do things, we can have the sa- another assumption, and that's that God's angry with us, that God is disappointed with us, that God doesn't love us. That's not the case, and that's why it's so important that we hear it's not about what you do. Oop, it was there. It's not about <laughs> what you do. It's about what God is doing in you, because there's nothing that we can do to earn or even lose God's unconditional love for us. And so, you know, we believe as Christ followers that the motivation for our good works, the reason that we do good deeds, the reason that we serve others and do all those things is because God is doing a work in our life. We don't do good things or avoid bad things even, uh, to earn God's love, but because God has altered our life in such a way that we're inspired to do that. Which is, again, back to our definition for discipleship, which we talk about a lot here because it's such a great under, uh, such a great way to teach this is that we are in the process of being conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. So God does the acting, God does the moving, God does the changing or the transforming, or for us here in, the, in our definition, conforming us. We are in the process of being conformed to the image of Jesus Christ for the sake of others. Jeff already mentioned that, for the sake of others, because our response to all that God is doing in our lives is that we want to serve and uh, uh, be a part of our world for the sake of others. So James now, let's get, jump into James. James is nearing the end of his letter. Uh, he, we're in chapter four, and he begins to summarize. Now, in, pre, in the previous few chapters, James has been blunt, to say the least. He's, he's very direct with his teaching. And his readers, he says, have been living according to worldly wisdom. And he uses that uh, uh, often. But now he's going to get really blunt if you can get any blunter. So it's up on the screen. It's chapter 4, verse 4. He says, you adulterers. That's a great way to begin. Uh, uh, We left that part off on there. Sorry. He begins, actually. (laughs) I promise. He begins with you adulterers, all right? And then he says, We didn't want to put that up there. It was was so bad, we didn't put it on the screen. (laughs) He says, don't you realize that friendship with the world makes you an enemy of God? I say it again. If you want to be a friend of the world, you make yourself, excuse me, an enemy of God. Now, it's important to understand what James is not saying here. James is not suggesting that Christians should never be friends with non-Christians. James is not suggesting that Christians should never engage in their culture. He's not saying that. uh, James isn't even suggesting that we should live a separatist lifestyle. That's not what he's saying in this verse. That's not what this whole passage is about. But what James is doing is he's challenging the readers and he's challenging us that we have a choice, that we have a choice on how we're going to live our lives, that 
really asking the question, what life will you live? What set of values, really, he's asking, will direct your life? And moving from one life or one type of value system to another type of value system. So James calls it friendship. He actually uses the word phileo, which is the Greek word for brotherly love, right, Philadelphia. But it also could mean fondness. And so he's saying that you could have a fondness for the world and the way the world lives, or you can have a fondness for God's kingdom. Uh, His brother Jesus said something similar. Jesus said, called it the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven. And Jesus also said, you can't serve two masters. In other words, you can't have two value systems. You can't have two different ways to live. You only can have one. And so James is saying that there's two ways to live. He says, uh, throughout his letter, he says you can live by the world's lifestyle, right? And he talks about things like... uh, Living by this lifestyle will lead to quarrels and lead to fights and loose tongues, which was talked about last week, and pride and envy and selfish ambition. And really, this worldly lifestyle is a me-centered. It's about me being number one. That's the, that's the, the, the way the, the worldly lifestyle kind of could be summarized. And so he's saying our culture, our culture today is like this, right? To be successful, we must do whatever it takes to get what you want out of life, right? That's, it's, it's all about worry about me, right? We must provide for ourselves because nobody else is going to, right? It's my way and it's all mine. So we have to be willing to fight for what I want and, my, and what's right for me. And so it's very me-centered. James says, though, there's another way to live, another way to live this life, another set of values that we could practice. And, and really these, if you were to summarize them, are God, others, and then self. He says we can trust God to provide all the good that we need, that God provides grace and faith and hope and love, that because we trust God's love and we trust God's goodness and we trust God's power that God will provide, we don't have to abuse each other to get what we want because God is the one who gives it to us. This means that we can serve each other in humility, and it means that we can meet each other's needs. And so all of this is what James has been talking about through these first four chapters, and even going into chapter five, you will, as well. And then I found this tweet this week. Jeff and I have uh, talked about this a lot as we were preparing this message. It's from James Emery White, and he's a pastor in North Carolina. And I really think it communicates the different value systems that James has been talking about. And he also uh, clearly shows that there's this movement from one world or one lifestyle to another. And it's going to be on your screen. And let me read it to you. It says this. This is from James Emery White. Pastor White says, what does it mean to become more like Jesus? It's moving, or we could say it's God moving us. It's moving from pride to humility. So pride is one worldly way to live, or is the worldly way to live, and humility is part of God's kingdom. We move from pride to humility, from envy to contentment, anger to restraint, laziness to diligence, greed to contentment, gluttony to moderation, fear to security, deceit to authenticity, and from lust to self-control. So we move 
and we are moved by God toward this new lifestyle, this new way to live, this new value system, this new kingdom value system. And, and James, uh, Jeff, James said it this way, and I know you're going to talk about this, but, but uh, let me read it in James chapter 4, verse 7. It's, I, I believe it's going to be on the screen. Yep. So humble yourselves before God. This is James. So humble yourselves before God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Come close to God, and God will come close to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, for your loyalty is divided between God and the world. Mm. So our theme, right? It's not about what you do. It's about what God is doing in you. Mm. And so this isn't a call to passivity. So it's not that our faith is a passive faith where you put your hands behind your head, put your feet up and say, all right, God, do me, and, uh, and just wait for some magic thing to happen. It's not about passivity. Here's our primary work as Christ followers. Our primary work is to work in cooperation with what the Holy Spirit is doing in us and what the Holy Spirit is doing around us. Our primary work is to work in cooperation with the Holy Spirit. So what I loved about James and this, uh, these two verses from the fourth chapter, seven and eight, is he gives us some kind of steps, if you will, of what that looks like uh, for us to work in cooperation with the Holy Spirit. And I have it uh, in four words, I guess. So it's about humility, it's about resistance, it's about pursuit, and it's about unity. Let me touch base on each one of those real briefly. So it starts with humility. James says, humble yourself, right? Mm -hmm. So, and I love that tweet by uh, Pastor White and, uh, from North Carolina where he talked about following Christ. It is this movement mm -hmm. away from selfishness, away from pride toward humility. So pride means it's all about me. It's my way. I'm the most important thing. My perspective, my way, my direction, my wants. My Pride is all about me. You know, I heard uh, a pastor years ago, Rick, who uh, in talking about the famous Frank Sinatra song, yeah. My Way, <laughs> he said, that is the national anthem of hell. Mm. <laughs> uh, that's pretty powerful. But um, yeah, so this idea of pride, we have to move away from pride and toward humility. Humility is about surrendering my way to someone or something else. And so as Christ followers, we're surrendering our way, our pride, to Christ's way. And we're seeking to follow him. It's really the first step in our journey with Christ. We have to say, in order to be a Christ follower, we have to say that I have failed, that my way has fallen short, I've missed the mark, I have sinned, and I need God's forgiveness. And I want Jesus to be the Lord of my life, to be the leader of my life. It is that act of humility that is the first step in our following Christ, in our new life in Christ. It's also required for every other step after that. So James says the first step then is humility. The second step is resistance. Resist the devil and he'll flee from you. Now when you think about the devil, I don't know what comes to your mind. You might have this, that image, you know, that kind of cartoon of the little red guy with a pointy beard and horns and a pitchfork and a long tail. Um, that's, that's a character, of course. 
really, Satan is that, that embodiment of everything opposed to the kingdom of God that, that uh, James has described and an embracing of this prideful human way of doing things. And there's consequences to that. And so um, the word devil, uh, that's translated devil here in James, uh, the word diablo in the Greek also can be translated accuser, accuser. It is that voice in our being that wants to tear you down, that says you're not good enough, that you're a failure, you're a fraud, you're, uh, you're no good. All of that voice of doubt and fear and so forth, that's all the voice of the accuser. And so we need, James says, we need to resist that voice. We need to stand firm against that voice. We can't do it on our own, but we have the Holy Spirit that we're working in cooperation with. So then uh, the next thing that James points us to is pursuit. Draw close to God. We need to pursue God. We need to resist the devil, stand apart from the devil, stand against the devil, and pursue God, move in God's direction. If you're new in your faith, young in your faith, you may not be young, but you may be young in your faith. You may be wondering, what does it mean to pursue God? What does that really look like? There's a number of spiritual disciplines or spiritual practices that help us in our pursuit of God. Three, real quick. The first one, of course, is prayer. That when you spend time in prayer, where you're just emptying your mind, your heart to God, and you're sharing with God what's going on in your inner life, uh, your concerns, your desires, your fears, your hopes, you're just laying all that out to God and then listening for the inner voice, the voice of the Spirit. That's the discipline or the practice of prayer. And I would encourage, if that's not a regular part of your uh, of your day, of your week, that you make it a part of that. Another is uh, the Word of God, the Scriptures, and to spend time reading the Word of God and to be asking the question, what's going on here, and what was, what was uh, God trying to teach people then, and what is God trying to teach me as I read these stories in the Scripture? And to do that uh, with others as well, especially if you're new to it, to have others um, who may be a little more experienced to help you along as you uh, study God's Word. And then the third, I would put under this broad category of generosity, that to pursue God, to move in God's direction, is a recognition that everything that you have, everything that you are, is a gift from God. And you want to make all of that available to God for his use to bless others. Not just yourself, but to bless others. Mm -hmm. So your time is a gift. Your talents are a gift. Your abilities are a gift. Whatever resource God has entrusted to you is a gift. And for you to view it through the lens of generosity, how can I use these gifts God's given me to bless others um, so that I can pursue God? And then the last one uh, that is in these two verses is what I'm calling unity. James says you've got to wash your heart and wash your hands, um, that, that you have this dividedness in you. And so James is calling us that our inner life, our heart, and our outer life, our hands, are cleansed and are unified, working together um, to express our faith in Jesus Christ. 
You know, too often uh, we are accused as Christians as being hypocrites, and way too often people aren't wrong, you know, that the things that we claim to believe, the things that we know as Christ followers aren't reflected in our use of our hands, the things that we do physically. And so it's a call to pull away from hypocrisy into this unity of faith and works. And so James talked about it um, in chapter 2, you may recall a couple of weeks ago, when we were talking about prejudice and how a poor person comes into a worship experience, right? James talks about they're worshiping, they're in church, and a poor person comes in, and he's treated with such disregard and disrespect, and James is saying that's a disconnect between where your heart is, your beliefs, and where your hands are. And so it's this call into a unity. These are the ways that we work in cooperation with the Holy Spirit. And it all then comes back. We started with humility. humility yep. It comes back to humility that we need to be humble, that we're giving up our way for the way of Jesus. And Jesus set the course for us. In Philippians chapter 2, the Apostle Paul wrote these words. He said, let your attitude be the same as that of Jesus Christ who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing by taking on the image, the very image of a human being, and not just a human being, but a servant, and then gave himself over to the cross. He died for us that we might live right before a holy God. That level of humility, dying to himself and his own interests in order to uh, live in obedience to the Father. So we're going to be sharing in communion uh, a remembrance of that sacrifice that Christ made. And so Rick is going to lead us in a prayer of confession um, as we prepare our hearts. So if you don't already have elements with you, if you don't have some juice and uh, some kind of bread, grab that now, and, uh, and Rick's going to lead us in prayer. Sure. Let's, uh, prayer is going to be on the screen, and let's pray that prayer together. Most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done, and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart, nor loved our neighbors as ourselves. We are truly sorry and humbly repent. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us and forgive us, that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of, our name, of your name. Amen.